Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. Let's go. Joshua 1 verse 9. We are in a series called Movement. And uh, and we find ourselves probably in the in the last week of the series. Uh, but who knows what Pastor Russell's going to do next week. Because last week, Master, Pastor Mark Varagis, Mark Varagis, uh, he, he just went straight in the same zone of where we've been. I mean, Literally, at night, spoke from Joshua chapter 1. So we're just going to be there one more week and then trust God. We find Joshua on the edge of his promise with all of God's people on the edge of their promise. They are stuck. They are disappointed. They are frustrated. But God wants them to move, to step. So we get to Joshua 1 verse 9 and God, the Lord says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Come on, you've got it by now. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, that speaks of the future. Do not be discouraged, that speaks of the past. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Turn to the person next to you and say, go. Turn to the person on the other side and say, go. Let's do this. Lord says to Joshua, I want you to move. But it's not just for him personally, it's for him spiritually It's for his family and it's to move into the ground that the enemy has taken for far too long. God wants you to move. God's got more for your life. He's got more for you spiritually. He's got more for you personally. He's got more for your family. Some of us are stuck emotionally, stuck physically, stuck mentally, stuck relationally. God wants you to move because He has promises for your life. If you believe it, say amen. You know, even as we're teaching this series, it's amazing how God just does it in different ways. And I've heard so many stories of God challenging people like, yeah, I've got to move past that hurt. I I know I've got to move past into forgiveness. I've got to take a step of boldness. Uh, uh, People feeling the call of ministry coming back on or or just when it comes to their prayer life or devotions, different stories. And it's good to tell your story because it kind of gives you a level of accountability. God's telling me to move. Well, literally just over a fortnight ago, the Holy Spirit gave me a, such a clear word that I was not expecting, something we've been talking about but was not ready for. God told Shans and I to move house. And, and we were like, whoa, now? And it felt like God just didn't say, think about moving house. It came with this massive urgency, move house now. And, and, and you're like, That's a, it seems irrational. It seems, it seems irresponsible. It seems like, are you sure it's God? I've had people say, test it, Josh, test it. I just know that I know that God told me to move. Uh, I mean, in 2016, we we're in a situation where we had the first house we built. I mean, we lost I mean, we lost a lot of money in that house and we'd had it and we'd been renting. And, and, uh, and to be honest, I was pretty discouraged and I was pretty afraid, and I didn't want to let go of where I found myself to grab a hold of what was next. You ever see kids on a monkey bars for the first time, and they're just holding on and hanging there, but they're not going anywhere, because if they let go of those monkey bars, there's a chance they're going to fall. What they don't realize is 
if they fall, dad's going to catch them. But if they let go, they'll be able to grab a hold of what's next. Sometimes that's us. We've been holding on to the same thing for so long where God just wants us to let go of what we know and trust that He won't let us fall. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Though he stumble, he will not fall because the Lord holds him up with his right hand. But sometimes you've got to let go of what you know to grab a hold of the next, amen. And so back then, God said in 2016, I want you to go buy a new house. We're like, oh, I don't know. But we stepped in faith and God's blessed us there. We find ourselves now at the end of 2023 and God's saying it's time to move again and move now. I tell you, when God says move, it always happens at the worst time possible. Has anyone found that? I just want to vent this morning. I mean, the last few weeks, there's a lot going on in church towards the end of the year. Our kids are going to their last term of school. Basketball's ramping up. Sean's this week is speaking at a conference elsewhere and preaching this morning. This week, I was interstate on Tuesday. Sean's and I go to see our team in Atlanta. We're there for two weeks. She's speaking at BU Conference. I'm with the team and staff. We're planning the future. And God said, move. I mean, in the last two weeks, we've literally painted the whole house. We've done the lawn at the back. We've mulched and weeded. We've hoarded. We didn't think we were hoarders. I mean, we've done more dump runs and put things in storage and done hard rubbish. I mean, we've cleaned all the outside. We're up at six in the morning doing the garden. We're late at night in the garage. Tomorrow we have photos being done while we're away. Our house goes online. The day we get back, the next day is our first inspection. What the heck is going on? But all I know is that we're nervous. We have no clue where we're going to live. We don't know what this looks like. It feels feels irrational. It feels irresponsible. But what I know is that the steps of a righteous man are ordered not by me, but by him. I'm just talking and venting because maybe it just gives you some faith as you go on your journey. That sometimes God says go and you don't understand all the steps. I might be living at your house. Who knows? But at the end of the day, we're trusting God and doing what he told us to do. You got to move. Everyone say move. That's not a word from God for me to tell you to move. Like not house, I mean, but you got to move wherever he shows you. I mean, it's funny that you sometimes say things, then he comes back and goes, sucked in, you've got to do it too. I love it. I don't know if he actually says sucked in, but that's how I imagine it, right? That's how I talk. Joshua in the stories, his next step to move towards his promise. After Joshua chapter one, we get to Joshua chapter three. There's two in there, but that's it's a different thing. But, but Joshua's next step, for him to inherit his promise, Josh has to step into what? Into a river. Into a river that's fully in flood. Joshua has to step into a river. Now the river, when you look at a river, when you see a river appear in Scripture, more often than not, the river is a picture of the Holy Spirit. His first step if you want to move, if you feel stirred, if you know the Holy Spirit saying emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, for you personally, for your, you spiritually, for your family, for your legacy, there may have been strongholds over your house, over your marriage, over your kids for too long, and it's time for things to shift. If there's promises of God, if there's a calling on your life, if there's greater things ahead, if that's you, lift your hands right now. I'll tell you, you may feel stirred to move, but can I tell you, you can't do that without the power power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Joshua steps into a river. It's significant. It's the God's way of saying the Holy Spirit will make a way where there is no way. 
You see, Jesus, as Jesus steps into ministry, what is the first thing Jesus steps into? Jesus steps into a river and is baptised. It is there, filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus steps into the calling of what's on His life. Uh, we see the disciples before they go into the world and make disciples and see the church established, go to the ends of the earth. What do they do? They have to wait for the river of the Holy Spirit and just like John today, step in the waters and there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can't move past that impossible that possibility, that mountain that's in your way, that difficulty that's ahead of you. You can't do it without the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Some things are just meant to be supernaturally assisted. I mean, without it, can I say for all of us, there are mountains in front of us that get in the way. Mountains of discouragement and mountains of fear that get in the way. But we heard last week, we're meant to live on 33A. We're meant to live in higher places. Amen? You're meant to live not where the problems are. They're real. It's not that you can just hope they go away. But you need to get a different perspective. And how do you get to 33A? Well, you don't take the stairs. The way you get to 33A is you need to step into the lift. You see, the lift is a picture of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one that takes you to higher ground. The Holy Spirit is the one that lifts you to a different perspective. The Holy Spirit is the power that shifts you from where you are to see your circumstances completely different. If you try to walk out the plans of God without the Holy Spirit, you will find yourself exhausted. But when you take the lift, all of a sudden there's a supernatural rise that allows you to walk out what God has for you in a different way. Don't try to move forward without the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is, for all of us, our past is often like a discouraging tide that will pull you backwards. And your future sometimes feels like an impassable mountain that stops you from getting to your promise. You see, the sickness maybe in your home feels like an insurpassable mountain except for the Holy Spirit. That unknown ahead of you looks like an insurmountable mountain, insurpassable mountain without the power of the Holy Spirit. That task before you will seem like a mountain that you cannot pass without the Holy Spirit. That business idea logically is an unsurpassable mountain without the power of the Holy Spirit. That step into ministry logically is an unsurpassable mountain without the power of the Holy Spirit. Forgiving that person is emotionally an unsurpassable mountain without the power of the Holy Spirit. Sharing Jesus with someone that doesn't wanna hear is perceived as an unsurpassable mountain without the power of the Holy Spirit. Breaking addiction shouts at you like an unsurpassable mountain without the power of the Holy Spirit moving house in two weeks and staying married feels like in our schedule like an unsurpassable mountain except for the grace of the Holy Spirit which is why Jesus gives you the supreme advantage the daily supreme advantage of the anointing of the Holy Spirit do not try and step into destiny and your promise without the power of the Holy Spirit don't do it by your might don't do it by your power but do it by His Spirit. 
Now, of course, that scripture we know well and we quote often. We often don't read the context of that scripture. So today I just wanna teach you from the book of Zechariah. I wanna show you the context of the scripture we often say, but don't often know the context of. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who read Zechariah this week? Well, we got two of you. Fantastic. Well, I normally don't. So today, this week, I just spent time soaking in it. Man, it's a good book. Let me give some quick context. For 70 years, God's people have been in captivity in, by the Babylonians. And now they're freed. They're decimated. They've lost strength. They've lost leadership. They've uh, lost, they're down on numbers. And Zerubbabel, everyone say Zerubbabel. There's not enough kids called Zerubbabel. Uh, but then you know, Zerubbabel, he, this man's made the governor of all of God's people. Now, they go back to their land and they face an impossible task. They need to rebuild the temple of God. The temple of God, for those that are, that are maybe visiting with us today or new to church, it was just simply like a church uh, made of stone and gold. And it was a place where people could go to worship God because they wouldn't just worship where they were, they would go to a place to worship. What's great is that the Bible, because of the love of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, God that lives in us, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means you don't have to just come to church to worship God and experience His presence. You can experience His presence wherever you are, amen? You can experience His presence at home. You can experience His presence in the bathroom. You can experience His presence in the car. You can experience His presence in the office. You can experience His presence in Coles. You can experience His presence wherever, except the Port Adelaide game. He avoids that. But, 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 but I'm joking. But so what happens though, is that when the presence of God who lives in you and the presence of God who lives in me, and the presence of God who lives in them, all come together corporately to worship. It says now, He inhabits the praises of His people, not just person. So not only do you get to experience the presence of God as like a modern living temple of the Holy Spirit, but when we come together, or it happens when we worship like we did today, did you feel that lift of His presence? Can I say two things? Don't neglect worship and spending time in His presence alone but also don't neglect coming together and worshiping and spending time in His presence in church, amen? And just if it helps, uh, the service times are 11 and there's a big time there where we can worship together and experience even more from beginning to end, amen? Some of us said amen, but we didn't know. Okay, so uh, but it matters, it matters. So Zerubbabel, he's given this task to rebuild the temple, but let me tell you, it's in ruins. It's actually a mountain of rubble and, and mess. It's an impossible task. He has an impasse. And, and, and so they start to rebuild the temple, but the enemy doesn't like that. So some of the people that opposed them went to the king that was over them and said, can we stop this? And the king put an order that they had to stop building the temple. For 15 years, they were stuck. For 15 years, they never experienced the presence of God, worship. And it was 70 years before that while they were in captivity. Now, the truth is that it actually wasn't just the command that stopped them in their tracks. There were two key people. Zerubbabel was the, was the governor of the people. And there was a man named Joshua, a different Joshua to one we're talking about, and he was the high priest. And they were to lead this impossible task, but they stopped, not because of a king's order. That was for a time. They stopped because of discouragement. 
They stopped because even though they were afraid of the impossibility ahead, yet again in their past, they are halted, they are limited, they are labeled, they are stuck, and discouragement stops them moving forward. So what God does is God raises up two young prophets by the name of Haggai and Zechariah, and they come with the word of the Lord to encourage God's people to get the presence of God back in their city and back in their lives again. Amen. I believe that's what God's doing in this series. He's allowing, uh, I'm not saying I'm a young prophet. Uh, I'm, I'm in my 40s. You judge, but I look young. But anyway, am I a prophet? I don't know. But this little guy standing on this stage to stir and encourage you to make sure you move forward and get the presence of God in your life in a greater, tangible way. It's time to move. Amen. And we're going to go to Zechariah 4. But as I was reading this, Zechariah 3 stood out for me. And I just want to encourage, just take an offshoot for a moment. There's Joshua the high priest, and it shows this picture of Joshua wearing all these dirty clothes. And all of a sudden, the prophet Zechariah gets a picture from God, and he sees Satan there accusing and attacking Joshua with his words. And what the picture of Joshua wearing all these clothes were, was that he was dressed in discouragement, not because of a natural enemy and not because of someone that just stopped him moving forward. What he didn't realise is that he was under spiritual attack. And there the picture is the Lord comes through this angel in this dream and says, and and relabels him and makes him righteous again and changes his clothes. I want to say that I felt the Holy Spirit say to say this to some people today. No, more often than not, what we don't realise is the discouragement, disappointment and fear that you're carrying. You've labelled and attached to a person, but it's actually attack of the enemy to stop you where you are. These false accusations, you need to take authority over them. You need to get the Word of God on your lips and in your home, the lies in your marriage, the lies over your kids, the lies over your future are not the words of God. If He created you, He labelled you. But if the enemy didn't create you, He cannot label you. But if He comes and accuses you, do not accept it, do not wear it, do not carry it. It's time to change the way you dress. It's time to change your garments. It's time to change your language and to remember who you are. It is not just personal. It is not just relational. It is not just natural. It is is spiritual, pick up the shield of faith, pick up the sword of the Spirit, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the shoes of peace, put on the belt of truth, put on the helmet of salvation, rise up in your God-given authority and change your outfit. God's called you to move past fear and discouragement. If you receive it, say amen. There you go. We'll leave that there. A little side sermon. Zechariah 4, back to Zerubbabel. He's got to build the temple and it's impossible. So now we go to, let's read through. I'm gonna just open up the scripture and just go through the chapter, just teach you today, okay? So it says this in verse one. Now the angel who talked with me came back to me and wakened me as a man, like a teenager who's woken up of their sleep and can't believe they have to go to school again. And he said to me, what do you see? We'll keep going. So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand. Everyone say lampstand. Of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps and seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees. How many? What were they? Olive trees. A it. one on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. 
Now, the first thing is that awakened is, is, is you get the word when you look there in the Hebrew is the word like stirred. Can I say what God's trying to do in you is stir you up. <laughs> Sometimes we go to sleep. Sometimes we just relax. Sometimes we're left hanging on the same place where we were, we were before. And, uh, and I just pray, as we're teaching you, the Holy Spirit begins to stir you, begins to rouse you, begins to awaken something on the inside of you that says, I'm not staying here, I'm moving forward, amen? Now, as we go to that word lampstand, there's a lampstand. That word uh, there for that lampstand in the Hebrew is the word menorah. And, and you would have seen pictures of this in, 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 Jewish, uh, in Jewish times and prayers and Passover, etc. And that word menorah means to flame. Everyone say flame. This flame is a picture of what Jesus is saying that in darkness, He's given you a light. And this light that He's put in your life is to shine in dark places. That your story, your brokenness, your testimony, He says you wouldn't hide it under a bushel. No, He says you wouldn't, you wouldn't hide it under a lampstand. You wouldn't put it under your bed. You wouldn't hide it away. He says that I have given a light in your life that is for you, but it is also for others. And there's a lampstand. He rouses him and says, I need you to realise that there is a light that God wants to shine through this place. Can I say to your church, whatever you've gone through, what God is about to do in you will be a message of Jesus through you. You may have gone through hurt and brokenness. You may be stuck and disappointed. But let me tell you, God wants to change your garments today and allow that light to shine in your life. And in order to do so, know what God does through you, God does in you, God will work through you so that others can see the light of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, of course, those lights were fueled by oil. Everyone say oil. So how incredible that if that light was to never go out, that suddenly to the left and right of the stand and the bowl that would hold the oil, there is two olive trees. And olive trees, their primary purpose, of course, is to make oil. And it shows this picture, and I'll bring this together in a moment, that as soon as the oil was used, there was a source for the oil to be replenished. Can I tell you, the moment you step in faith and you think I've given everything I have, there is an oil of refreshing that is available for you. Every time you think you're out of favour, you're never out of favour. There's another bit of oil that's ready to be supplied to you. It sort of shows this picture that the priest who was responsible for making sure the oil never went out had no responsibility here because there was a continuous supply of oil to the left and the right that made a way for the light to shine. There is no point in which he has taken His anointing from you. There is no point in which you have to do it in your own strength. There is an ongoing, continuous supply of the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit that is available for your life. Amen? Because as you look through Scripture, another picture like a river for the Holy Spirit is oil. See, He's a helper. He's a guide. He's a, a power. We need to be set free. He's the oil that cleanses you. If you're stuck, He's the oil that lubricates. If you're bruised and hurt, He's the oil that heals. If you need somewhere, to, if you need to see where to go, He's the oil that fires you up. You need the ongoing, continuous supply of the oil of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So it goes on in verse four. So I answered and spoke these words to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, Lord? I love, even the prophet sometimes doesn't know what's going on. If sometimes you're wondering, what's God doing, on in my, doing in my life? These scriptures are just put in here to let you know you are not alone. Says the angel, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, 
This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Read it with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, not by power, but as you step in the river, by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, why would he need this? Because there is a mountain of impossibility and rubble right in front of him. There is a task that there is no seemingly natural way to do it. Zerubbabel is weary. He is discouraged. He he is afraid. And he does not have the people that he needs. But right in front of him, before he even gets to the problem, there is a continuous ongoing supply of oil, of power, of authority and might from the Holy Spirit that will make a way where there is no way. And right there, the Lord says to him, do you not get it? And he's like, no, I don't get it. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing? No, I don't understand what you're doing. It's not by your might. It's not by your power, but it will be done by my Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. I tell you, there is an anointing for the impossible. It's the supernatural equipping to get the job done. How do I live a 33A life? You don't do it by your own might, knowing your strength. You need the supernatural lift that gets you to a higher perspective that allows there to be an ease that even as you step out what seems an impossible situation, His grace is sufficient for you. Amen. The anointing allows you to go way beyond your natural ability. Even Jesus Himself, perfect in every way, did not do any recorded miracles until the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon Him. You don't have the words to say? You don't have the supernatural ability? Can I tell you, how can we ever do this without the anointing daily, that continuous supply in our life if even Jesus needed the anointing, amen? So this story with Zerubbabel, it seems like the oil flows without any human effort. The oil flows straight from the tree. I love how it says it in the Amplified Version. It pulls it out this way. We'll put it on the screen. It says, then he said to me, This continuous supply of oil is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, the prince of Judah, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord. This continuous supply of oil is the word. So he faces a mountain of rubble. It's impossible. The obstacle, the impasse is right there. And he says, not by might. That word might is the word cheyu in the Hebrew. And what that means is like a mighty effort. It means an army. It means not by everyone's collective effort, not by all the leadership and all the strategy and all the counsellors and all the help will you get through this. Then it says, not by power, that word there is joah, what that word means in in the Hebrew there is not by your effort, not by your personal strength. So it ain't everyone's efforts just combining together. And it's not just you. It says, by my spirit. That word there is ruach. That's the word for the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. That's the same breath of God that created nothing, took nothingness on the earth and created something. That's the same breath of God that parted the Red Sea so there was a way where there was no way. That's the same ruach that breathed there so that the Israelites could walk through the Jordan. That's the same breath of God that came in, the, on the, in Ezekiel's bones and took that which, which was dead and turned it into a mighty, 
mighty army. That's the same breath of God that moved in the upper room for the disciples that were despondent and about the past and afraid about the future. And all of a sudden, boldness came upon them. What's he saying? It's not by everyone's effort. It's not by your effort, but it's by my spirit that this mountain in front of you of impossibility, of brokenness and rubble will suddenly dissipate and the impossible will be made possible. See, some of us look at a mountain and a bit like the story, we're going on a bear hunt. Some of us are trying to go over it. Some of us are trying to go under it. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit wants you to go through it. Sometimes we're looking at the pain, the hurt, the impossibility, the bankruptcy, the, the, the loss, the, the barrenness, the, the kids away from God, the, the situation that's in front of us and we're trying to go over it. What does that mean? You're trying, you, I'll, I'll, I'll tough it out. I'll just work harder. I'll just be more determined. I'll find a way. Can I tell you, just getting your way over the mountain is not the answer. But then there's others of us that are trying to go under it. And the weight of that mountain is crushing you. It's making you into a victim. And bitterness and unforgiveness right there will crush you. The only way to walk through the the, the difficulty that stands in front of you is you need the Holy Spirit to help you walk through it, amen? So it goes on in verse seven. Are you doing okay today? Verse seven, this is what the angel of the Lord says. I love this. Who are you, O great mountain? Who are you? It's like, are you even there? Sometimes I play basketball with my boys and they're defending me and they're like, I'm all over you, dad. I'm like, I can't even see you, too small. Like, you know, uh, 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 but where are you? It's what the angel of the Lord looks at this impossibility and says, who are you, O great mountain? Because you know why? The angel has a higher perspective. The angel's living in 33A. The angel sees what's gonna be spiritually. So, so he says, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth, say with me, the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The angel says, oh great mountain, you opposition, the political problem, the pile of rubbish, this mountain will become a plain. He is making a way where there is no way. And he says, I will take the capstone and you will shout grace. Shout it with me. Grace, grace. It doesn't say speak it, it says shout it. Come on, some of us just haven't shouted in a while. So shout to it. Grace, grace. So what's the capstone? Well, some of you have heard as Christ the cornerstone. The idea when he said, I will pull down this temple and three days rebuild it. And we read later that he's the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the first piece that goes in. So when you're, build, when you're doing a puzzle, what do you do? You put the corner piece in first to try to find your way. So Christ is the cornerstone. So what's the capstone? The capstone is the final piece. It's that when everything has been brought together and suddenly you need the final piece that makes it complete, he says that there will be a capstone that the foundation that Christ is built on, suddenly you will see the capstone, the finishing of what was begun put in place. See, a life that is built on Jesus will be completed by the power of the Holy Spirit. A promise that is built on Jesus, you will see it finished 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. What was impossible will suddenly see an act of grace shown and grace be in His unmerited favour. And not only just once, it means grace, grace. It means complete grace. It means finished grace. It means completely undeserved grace will be shown to that impossibility. And what He has started, you will see finished in Jesus' Name. Amen? There is grace for your mountain. There is grace for your impossibility. There is grace for your brokenness. Come on, shut your eyes right across this place. I just want you to hold your hands in front of you like, you know, just like you're holding something that's been burdening you for too long. That, that label, that rejection, that disappointment, that fear, that lack, Yesterday, tomorrow, whatever it is, hold it. Can I tell you today, there is grace for those conversations. Your children that are away from God, hold it. That sickness right now, you've been holding it for too long, but see it there, see it in your hands. There is grace for those steps. There is grace for your move. There is grace for forgiveness. There is grace for your children. There is grace for your mind. There is grace for your business. There is grace for your marriage. There is grace for His church. There is grace for your future. Now that thing that's been in your way for too long, I want you to speak grace to it right now. Come on, Ashley, you've talked about it for so long. Now say grace, grace to it. Come on, it's time to get it out of your mouth. Say grace, grace. That family issue you're worried about, that future, that business, that finance, that tomorrow. Come on, shout to it right now. Grace, grace. The grace of God is available for whatever you're facing, that sickness, that lack, that issue. Come on, say grace, grace. The, the, the thing that's limited you and controlled you for too long, that addiction, He has grace for it. And that mountain will become a plain. In Jesus' name, by the oil of the Holy Spirit, take authority over that discouragement. Change your garment and shout grace, grace. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will brag or boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's oil, His power may rest on me. Amen. The keys can come. His grace, grace is sufficient for His power works best with that mountain. Which is why we go into verse 10. Another verse we know well, but right here. He says, so you, who could despise the day of small beginnings? We wanna have a capstone moment. That's prophesied, where you will be restored, where you will be holding your promise where you'll be worshipping at the altar, where you'll be standing in your victory, where you'll be laughing about the healing, where you'll be remembering this moment. That day is coming in Jesus' Name. But don't despise today. Do you know who never despise? It's, like, it's almost like a rebuke. Don't despise the first stone that gets put in place. Don't despise the first prayer or decision. 
Don't despise that first scripture that you memorize. You know who never despised small things? Jesus. A few mites in a bucket, he didn't despise it. He saw. Little children, he didn't despise them. He said, The kingdom belongs to such as these. A little boy's lunch, never despised that, knew that he could take that, what was impossible, and one day be holding 12 capstones of victory in their hands. We started this whole series with this thought the steps, not the leaps, but not the stops. The steps of a righteous person are ordered, delighted in by the Lord. Don't despise the step today. Don't despise this time in worship today. Don't despise that small prayer tomorrow morning. Don't despise that small moment where you open the Word. Don't despise that small text of encouragement to your child. Don't despise that small moment where you tell your partner that you love them. Don't despise that small counselling moment. Don't despise that small act of generosity. Don't despise those little things that God gets you to do. Because one day you'll be holding the capstone and putting it in place that represents the victory that today you dreamed about. How does, how does Joshua go through a river? A river in flood, mind you. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Grace, grace. But he had to step. It didn't stop until he stepped. And that's important because if a river's tough, Jericho's impossible. So how do you see a city come down? Well, not by his army, not by might. Jericho's too big. And not by power, Joshua's too small. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So grace, grace. For seven days, they walk and step. And on the seventh day, they go around seven times and then there's a shout, grace, grace. But they had to step and they had to shout. I tell you, Zechariah finishes with this in chapter four, verse nine. It says this, we'll put it on the screen. It says, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation stone, have laid the foundation of this temple and read this with me. And His hands shall also finish it. Come on, stand to your feet with me. I believe at the end of this year, God is calling you, me, His church to move forward. We're laying foundation stones. Can we put that back one more time? It says here, you, VTech. You here, Matt. You, John. You Shan, you Maya, you Ben, as He shows you to take a step and you lay the foundation stone. I prophesy over your family, over your kids, for you personally, for you spiritually, for your family and legacy, that your hands will also be the one that sees it finished in Jesus' Name. He is not man that he should lie. He's the same yesterday, today and forever, but it will not be in your own might or in your own strength, but because of the continuous supply of oil of the Holy Spirit that you can look at your mountain and say, oh, you little mountain, you will become a plain grace, grace. And as you step in faith, 
He'll be there one day as you see the capstone go in in Jesus' Name. Because by the move of His Spirit, you will see movement in your life and what He has started, you will see completed in Jesus' Name. Amen? So all we need is the anointing. If you've got a stirring in your heart to say, God, I'm not staying here. I'm not hanging on these monkey bars, but I'm letting go and grabbing what's next. Now you just need the anointing. So now you've held on to those things for too long enough and spoken grace to them. It's time to grab a hold of the oil and step into the river. So right across this place, why don't you lift your hands to heaven now, open wide. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.